Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. On this week's episode, episode 55, join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter, as we talk about Cyclone football, Cyclone basketball, the NFL, and of course our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions. I blew through that and realized that I was supposed to say college football, not cyclone football, because it looks like we're talking about more than just the cyclones this week. Uh, we are. So, my bad. My bad on Mike, that one. Mike but. decided that he wants to talk about uh, a certain team from the north. Yeah, we are for sure going to talk about that University of Minnesota Golden Gopher football team, because frankly, that's more exciting than the cyclones right now. I'm so pumped. That was that Gopher game against Penn State was one of the best football games I have ever watched, along with three Iowa State football games for the past two years. Uh, the Oklahoma game two years ago, the TCU game two years ago, and the uh, West Virginia game last year. But anyway, that game was insane. Um, the best win for Gopher football in at least 50 years. Gopher football was struggling a lot like uh, – Iowa State football was up until a couple years ago. So that just think about how big the Oklahoma win was for Iowa State. That's how big was this Penn how big this Penn State win is for the Gophers. There's gonna be no the no more this the fit or talking heads or the selection committee can say, but they didn't play anyone. Isn't that actually that good? Because they didn't play well, we played Penn State and we beat them. You know what? We are a good football team. The Gophers are a good football team. The Big Ten West is theirs to win. They have a two-game lead over Wisconsin and a three-game lead over Iowa with uh, three games to play. So the Big Ten West is the Gophers to win. I know, Kyle and White, you're not going to have anything to contribute to this segment. But all i got to say is pick off the ball when it gets thrown to you. Minnesota won because three balls were thrown up for grabs. And they caught and they picked them all off. Iowa State lost partially because four balls were thrown up for grabs by Jalen Hurts, and the Cyclones only picked off one of the four. You got to get that ball. Hashtag the ball is the program. Hold on to that ball. The ball is the program. Hashtag Sky Uma. Hashtag go the ball. Go ahead. Talk about the Cyclones now, Kyle. Yeah, that. Uh, I mean, the uh, what's the, what's that guy's name? Number eleven. Antoine Winfield Jr. Yeah. He, you might he's recognize good. his name because Anton Winfield is an NFL defensive back. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a good safety for the Gophers, and I believe yeah, he he's is. only a uh, sophomore. He's so. a, I believe he's a fourth year sophomore. Yes. So, so he yeah, could he's, go. He could go pro if he wanted. Because he's he's, he's a ball hawk, but well, yeah, heck of a safety. I guess we'll talk about uh, what happened in Norman. Um, which was also a fantastic game, by the way. The result it was a great quite, game. Through, the result just wasn't quite perfect. Through the through the entire first half, it wasn't necessarily a great game, and it just like it just seemed like every time Iowa State gained momentum, Oklahoma had an answer and was able to strike and kill the momentum and deflate uh, the hopes of the Cyclones. But the second half was definitely a different story. Um, held Oklahoma to no points in the fourth quarter, which was huge. After yeah. Uh, be after giving up, I don't know how many points. Uh, well, all forty-two points in the first quarter, in the first half, I should say, and then and then seven in the third to um. That that makes forty-two total. So, thank you, thank you for that quick math there. Uh, no problem. 
our resident mathematician. Um, But it, it's just the team that we saw out on the field didn't deserve to win this game. In my opinion. No, I think as close as it was in the end, this team didn't deserve to win. There were way too many penalties. The penalties always came at, at very inopportune times, killing the drive, killing the momentum. Um, and I, it's just this team wasn't disciplined enough to win this game on the road. You can't go in as a as a road team in the Big 12, be undisciplined and win a football game. It's just not that's just not how it works. Too many penalties. All the false starts. Too many. Too many big plays that this team is still giving up. Can't tackle C.D. Lamb um, as he just ran for almost 120 yards on a play as he cut reversed fields. Um, and that's something that you just can't give up are those big plays. It, it just doesn't work. You can't win football games doing that. But in the end, we were somehow able to make it close, um, had an opportunity to win the game while going for two. Uh, and I, I believe that was the right call. I agree. I You're think that was touchdown, the Two call. touchdown underdog on the road. You are naive to think that that team could have held up in overtime against Oklahoma. Night, completely naive. Yeah. Um, here's the way I look at all those decisions, right? If you told Matt Campbell going into the game, you have one play from the two yard line to win the game. And that's it. The whole game is one play from the two yard line. Do you take it or do you play the game? You, you, you take the one play from the two-yard line, yeah. right? And that's what you had with the two-point conversion, right? If you all, win that- and all year, all year, Matt Campbell has been preaching about how much faith he has in Brock Purdy. Put the ball in his hands. He played He played a good game. Brock Purdy, especially in the fourth quarter, was fantastic. He had some amazing runs there in the fourth quarter, especially that third and 13 run in the fourth quarter, an amazing run to uh, keep us in the game. He grew up in that bye week between Oklahoma State and OU. He he did a little bit of maturing in that bye week and was able to have have be poised and be able to bring this team all the way back. And you you have to put the ball in his hands. Now, granted, in that situation, as as game managers sitting on the couch, we were looking at it, just saying, you know, he could have. He could have thrown it to Brees Hall immediately out of the backfield, or he could have thrown it to Charlie Kohler, who was open instead of Petway, uh, who was double covered. But in in the heat of the moment in the game, that was probably his read. So yeah, I don't fault the decision. It might not have been the best decision, but in the in the end, you put your you put the game in the best person's hand, and he uh, played on it. Yeah, yeah, and you got to give it got to give it to Brock Purdy. In that moment, he he was playing playing solid football. You got to give it to him. Rely on him to make a play. Rely on your playmakers to make a play to win the game. I think it was the right decision. Nobody has nobody can sit there and and just uh, criticize Matt Campbell for his decision and his choice um, in that moment. No, I agree. It was the complete correct decision. Unfortunate that it didn't work out, but it's a decision that I would make every time in that situation. I wouldn't even, and I love that he didn't even hesitate, right? He knew, right? Immediately, it was going to be Brock Purdy out there. He knew right away. Yep. yep. So, it's tough. I mean, basically, so the result of that game was that basically I see no path for the Cyclones to the Big 12 championship game now. Um, there was a chance 
had we beat Oklahoma, obviously there was a chance, or had Baylor lost, even if we lost to Oklahoma, there was still a chance. But now I see no chance. So And at this point, uh, this team is going for morale. Um, can, can we win the final three games of the season? Texas at home, KU at home, K-State on the road. Can, can we win those games, get to, what, eight and four on the season, get to a good bowl game, and try and, in my opinion, salvage what uh, has become um, kind of a, a year of unex- like an unexpected season when there were a lot of high expectations for this team. Can this team bounce back? at home against Texas, who will probably be ranked in the top 25 uh, coming into Ames. Can we bounce back? Can we beat Kansas? And then can we beat Kansas? Frankly, if you don't beat Kansas, you might be looking at, this team only has five wins right now, right? We've been talking this whole year as a bowl game was a foregone conclusion, right? If they don't win a game, they're not going to a bowl game. They've only got five wins. I mean, that's just the reality of what it is right now. They've still got to win a game to go to a bowl game. Now, they should beat Kansas, but you've got to go beat Kansas. Yeah. I mean, or you could just beat Texas, a game that you're definitely favored in. Would also help. But Beat beat Texas, and then you're going to a bowl game. Yeah. Granted, it's probably a dumb bowl like the Cheez-It Bowl in Arizona or going back to the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. But a bowl well, game I think, is a bowl I game. Think- I think at six and six, the Liberty Bowl is completely out of question. Um, eight and four, eight and four would probably end us up at the Liberty Bowl again. Um, very similar to the uh, seven and five season. Well, season. a lot of it, a lot of it depends on right. So if we end this year eight and four, we finish third in the Big Twelve probably, right? And then Oklahoma or Baylor, one of them maybe goes to the playoff. The other goes to the Cotton Bowl. The best team in the Big 12 goes to Orlando or San Antonio, right? If you finish eight and four, you, you're looking at Orlando and San Antonio. Yeah, not uh, not Memphis. So that's true. I think the, you got to win. The the seven and five team will go to the Liberty Bowl. Yes, agreed, agreed. But yeah, six and six, you're probably headed for Arizona. But win, anyway, win win your games. End the season on a high note. Yeah, so. yeah. Texas, Texas next Saturday. The game doesn't mean as much, but I still hope Cyclone Faithful will be out for what should be decent weather out at Jack Trice for still a big game. I know I will be there. I hope to see many of you there cheering on the Cyclone football team. But it so. is a great time of year where we've got Cyclone football and Cyclone basketball going off at the same time. Cyclone basketball season opened up this week, and Kyle is here to tell us all about how that season started. Well, this this team is going to be uh, scrapping for victories all year long. Um, what looks to be what is shaping up to already be a uh, long and tough season as this team finds its identity uh, going forward after losing so many playmakers um, last year with the likes of Wind- uh, Wigington, uh um, Shayok, Bab, uh, Taylor Horton, Tucker, all gone um, from this program. This program is now in the hands of Tyrese Halliburton, as we mentioned, and boy, has he been phenomenal He's so a far. Player. 
He he is putting up ridiculous stats. So far on the season, he has 26 assists and only three turnovers in two games. That's thir- that's a 13 to one and one and a half. Like that's insane. 13 assists to one and a half turnovers uh-huh. on an average. It's crazy the rate that the pace that he is on so far. Um, the Cyclones are going to go as far as Tyrese Halliburton can take him, and that's pretty much how this season's going to go. Um, obviously, the first the first game of the season, they played a essential what I would equate them to a high school basketball team. That's what they looked like out there. Uh, Mississippi Valley State was bad, and that was confirmed when they lost by nearly a hundred to their second opponent of the season. Um, but the Cyclones played great defense, I guess we can call it, against this team, which turned the ball over essentially every third possession, um, it seemed like. Uh, so in the first game, Iowa State was trying to live or die by the three, and that held true against Oregon State as well, trying to match the pace that Oregon State was uh, playing with in the second game of the week. Um, but after after week one, this team is one and one. Um, a couple of notes on some players. Uh, Trey Jackson and Zion Griffin were uh, primarily the first two players off the bench uh, for the Cyclones in both teams. Trey Jackson is actually playing very well for the Cyclones so far. Um, he looks to be the one of the options that uh, for scoring off the bench if we need him. If the uh, starters are struggling for scoring, um, struggling on the court. Uh, he's got some speed, can get out in transition, has the ability to knock down some threes. Um, and Zion Griffin is going to be potentially the X factor of this team. He's the one who's getting scrappy, getting at the offensive uh, glass, uh, rebounding, getting on the floor, diving for loose balls, making some shots. Um, but at some point, I think George Condit will get into the starting rotation, whether he bumps uh Solomon Young or uh, Michael Jacobson out. I think he would probably bump out Solomon Young. Uh, George Condit had a great uh, second game against Oregon State. He put 14 points in, uh, as well as six boards and five blocks. Um, That's impressive. Which is, Block, which is I love blocks. So impressive. I like blocks. The the this Cyclones team has been missing a uh, big presence on the glass for rebounds and a big time defender inside with the ability to block shots and, and send them the other way. Um, so he, he could be key to uh, the Cyclone's success going forward um, as well. But I think, I think that um, this team is going to be at their best and they're going to be able to win games if they get out on the floor and get in transition, get turnovers, get steals, great pressure on defense, uh, starting with Halliburton and uh, Nixon, who are going to be great perimeter defenders this year. Um, get Halliburton, Nixon, and Griffin out in space running the court. They are going to be the best in transition. Um, we saw that a lot against Mississippi Valley State um, in that game. So get out in transition, run the court uh, with our athletic guards and big men who are able to run too, and Michael Jacobson and George Condit. And hopefully get them into some uh, pressure situations. I At some point, I see this team um, having to go to full court press, similar to not not the same intensity and level as Press Virginia used to be, but at least some press in the backcourt to um, slow down teams and 
um, try and get more turnovers, force turnovers. Yeah, this team, this team is not talented enough that they can be losing the turnover battle. I mean, it's the same thing with football. Right? The football team isn't talented enough to lose the turnover battle either, but this basketball team isn't. You gotta gotta protect the ball, and you gotta try to turn other teams over, get out and transition. That's how this team is gonna win. So one big thing for uh, Cyclone basketball uh, could potentially be coming tomorrow. Um, the announcement of Xavier Foster, the uh, five-star, seven-foot center out of Oskaloosa, Iowa, will be announcing his decision tomorrow between Iowa or Iowa State. Uh, let's hope he comes to the good guys instead of the other team. Um, would be a huge get for the Cyclones and will fill all of their remaining uh, scholarships for the 2020 season after they picked up a commitment uh, this week um, from another wing uh, player, uh, Dunbar, um, after only offering him like two weeks ago. Uh, so right now the Cyclones have filled one of their open commitments vacated by Mercedes Leach and Luke Anderson. So hopefully the fourth one is filled tomorrow, Monday, by Xavier Foster. Just out of curiosity, Kyle, what were the Cyclones – going to do if um like if the uh so right if foster chose iowa state before those players transferred we wouldn't weren't gonna have a scholarship what were we gonna do how are we gonna get him if we didn't have a scholarship before those players transferred well do you know what the plan was how is that gonna work uh the plan would probably be that there was gonna be attrition on the team the, I mean, you some, can't take away people's scholarships. I thought they're guaranteed. They are guaranteed, but just figuring that somebody's going to transfer away from the team. I I yeah. honestly don't know what the plan was without having an open scholarship. I mean, at this point, I have I have a strong sense that they're not expecting Tyrese Halliburton to be back next season, uh, especially with um, especially with how he's playing so far this year um we'll see a lot of game left to be played lots lots of lots of games to be played still yes lots of games left to be played not as many games left however in the nfl season and no it's week is it week 11 already no it's no week it's week 10, 10. okay still week that's 10. a lot of weeks and the chiefs didn't necessarily set themselves up very well uh in the afc going forward as they seem to never be able to beat a nemesis in uh, the Tennessee Titans. Um, Andy Reid has only beaten him once in nine attempts uh, in his career, and I believe now the Chiefs are either four and four out of five in their last meetings, or the Titans are four, have four wins and five tries against the Chiefs, or it's five wins and six tries against the Chiefs recently. The the Titans are the Achilles heel, and it wasn't even Marcus Mariota throwing a touchdown pass to himself this time. It was they just you know. lose in such bizarre ways. Like last time in the playoffs, they lost because Marcus Mariota threw a touchdown pass to himself. Well, like and, how do how do they keep finding these ways to lose games? So one of the big plays in this game that really lost the momentum for the Chiefs is they uh, were able to stop the Tennessee Titans on a fourth and long. Uh, the defense held up on a possession uh, with the game on the line. They were only up by five. Uh, and then they weren't able to do much on offense and had the ability, ha- had the opportunity to kick 
a field goal to put them up by eight, not necessarily sealing the game, but obviously making it slightly harder, uh, at least to tie, forcing Tennessee to go for two. But instead, the long snapper snapped it before our holder, our punter, Dustin Colquitt, was even ready. Uh, he botched botched the snap as it was low and skipped to him on the ground, pulled up and threw it for an intentional grounding penalty. Obviously, no matter what, it was a turnover to Tennessee, but they gave them a gave them extra yardage, too, on the play since it's a spot foul, loss of downs. Um, gave them an extra 20 yards on the, or an extra, rather, 10 to 12 yards on the play. Um, and then Tennessee proceeds to just gash the Chiefs where they're known to have holes in their defense all year, over the middle and crossing patterns deep. Um, and they were able to score and go up uh, by three with a two-point conversion. And then the Chiefs had 20 seconds. Uh, two plays got them into field goal range, but... The outside um, outside pressure coming uh, across, they were able. Tennessee was able to block the but game time by Butker. Um, so AFC Special Teams Player of the Week last week had his final field goal blocked. And he missed um, another. Why he missed an extra point? Did he miss a field goal too? And he missed an extra too? point in this game. He was four out of five though on field goals, so it's not like he was shabby. That uh, fifth one being the one that was blocked. The only one that he missed, uh, but he did miss an extra point, which uh, was big in this game. Um, Patrick Mahomes looked phenomenal uh, in his yeah, return. Yeah, he, he did not miss a step coming back the, from injury. They Tony Romo was talking about uh, all game uh, how he looked like he wasn't quite himself in warmups, how he didn't didn't really have it. Uh, and then once Patrick Mahomes made a phenomenal jump pass for a 63 yard touchdown to McCole Hardman. Uh, that essentially, uh, Tony Romo just said, yeah, I think he's actually back, um, threw for over 400 yards, three touchdowns on the day, did everything he could. But, uh, when it boils down to it, the defense wasn't able to hold and there were just way too many miscues penalties. The chiefs just seem to shoot their foot, shoot themselves in the foot and they can't get out of their own way. Um, I, I, I see them not be, or I see them making it out of the AFC West as the top team still. Um, that division is still one very of, bad. As one of the top four teams, but they're going to be the first first team out in the playoffs in the AFC. Um, this team can't compete because their defense just has so many so many problems still. Sounds um, like they missed D Ford. No, not really, because D Ford was the one that uh, cost us the AFC championship. Lining up offsides. Yeah, but uh, he's still one of the best defenders. Yeah, and Frank Clark hasn't hasn't quite been the same for the Chiefs as he as he was for the Seahawks. hasn't been as good as advertised for us. But it it helps to have Chris Jones back. Chris Jones can push any offensive lineman straight into the quarterback on on whatever play he wants to. He is a freak, um, and he gets it done. It's good to have him back, but. The Chiefs also lost another lineman for the year. They are down to currently on the roster five healthy offensive linemen, uh, which isn't great, um, and it shows in the pressure in some of the plays that they have to run. Um, but a loss for an AFC contender uh, wasn't great, and a surprising loss in the NFC today as the Saints fall at home to the Atlanta Falcons. I, I and don't know how you do Nobody that. saw coming a one seven Atlanta Falcons team takes down the 8-1 and one, uh, New Orleans Saints team 
Um, just a just a crazy game overall. Drew Brees didn't have any passing touchdowns, which was crazy for him, and they couldn't get any offense going. Only three field goals on the game. Um, so just just a really really bad, seemingly a fluke game for the Saints. To, to, I guess I mean firing your coach does tend to work if you're an NFL team, like you win a game. But I mean it, when it's a game. I mean, the Falcons still aren't going anywhere, so it was a good win, but I'm going to put it up to a fluke of you win after you fire your coach yeah. kind of thing. Because then the player's got to save face, and it's like, yeah, that was the problem. It's not that we suck. It's that he sucked. It's not our fault. It was his. Yep. Even though they actually do suck. They do. But, anyway. And, and the, the another inexplicable result today was the, the Rams going into Pittsburgh – and getting beat by the Steelers, I remember when the Steelers were they like zero and four at one point, and you said they were mm-hmm. going to go zero and eight, Kyle. Yeah. Well, they're now five and four, so they didn't well, go zero and eight. They were going to go zero and six when they played the Dolphins. That's Two right, zero and six when they played the Dolphins. But now they're now they're five and four. Um, and I mean, somebody somebody said this: Mike Tomlin does not coach sub five hundred teams at the end of a season. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. And frankly, with how weak the middle of the AFC is, beside outside of New England and Baltimore, five and four ties them for a wild card spot. Yeah, right. And that's ever ba- since, ever that's since how they bad got the rest Mink- of this AFC is right now. Ever since they got Minka Fitzpatrick, he's done nothing but absolutely incredible things for them. He has what two pick sixes now, and now a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He's been probably the best acquisition of the season for a team. Yeah. Maybe Probably. outside of Jalen Ramsey for the Rams, but he really hasn't showed up too much for them. So. Obviously, didn't work out well for them today. They lost. Nope, it didn't. Not just winning. Winning but helps. There was another crazy outcome and a game that also came down to the wire uh, in Lambeau. As I hate the-, the Packers. How do they get this lucky? I don't know. They're like the Bears. Well, they so, have so for- they have twenty two lives. They're like the reverse Bears. The Bears find ways to lose no, no, games. No. The, the Baylor Bears. The oh, Baylor, Baylor Bears. Bears. Okay, yes. Yes. They get how how does Baylor get that lucky? What? Baylor's nine and zero, but they've won like four games either in overtime or by less than three points. How does Baylor get that lucky? Let's look at all of Baylor's side. I'm getting upset. This is not this segment. This is not the segment where I'm supposed this to be is, upset. This is who's pissed off. Mike's pissed off about the Packers and the Baylor Bears. That they just get lucky. How do the Packers get that lucky? So to, to summarize, so first of all, near the end of the first half, um, the, uh, the the Panthers stop Green Bay um, at like the at like the at like Green Bay's own five yard line as Rodgers throws it away as he's getting tackled, and the the defender literally rolls off Rodgers so he doesn't land on him, still gets flagged for roughing the passer, and the Packers go all the way down the field. Granted, they don't score because for some reason they decide not to kick a field goal with two seconds left from the three-yard line, and they go for it, and they get and stuffed. And they ran the ball, and it was blown up for, yes. like, a five-yard loss. Yes. But anyway, so they didn't score, but it probably took points away from the Panthers, who would have probably had the ball at midfield, if that would have been the case. And then at the end of the game, so the Panthers drive all the way down the field to, like, the two-yard line, which they got there after the Packers were offsides twice, um, on the last possession, one of which gave the Panthers a first down, gave them a first and goal from the two. And we get down to that point, 
and they hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey, who literally, literally is an inch short of the goal line. He is literally an inch short of the goal line for a touchdown that would have put the Panthers a two-point conversion away from... It's like the reverse of the Bart Star ice ball knee down at the one play. His knee was down at the one. And here Christian McCaffrey may have actually gotten in, but he was an inch short. It's like the Packers always get lucky. They get lucky. They shouldn't have gotten lucky. Somehow they're seven and two or eight and two, seven and two. What are they? Somebody tell me. Seven and two? Uh, I believe they're eight seven. And two. Eight and two. Eight now. and two. How do they get that lucky? I don't get it. Okay, that's it. The Packers get lucky. They're actually decent. I mean, they're good. They're good. But they also get lucky. I hope they lose. Anybody have anything else to say about that game? I just kind of monopolized that game. No, that's a summary of it. I mean, the Panthers Panthers blew opportunities in this game. They did. But the the Panthers are actually decent. They'll compete for a playoff spot, too. And this is is Kyle Allen's team now that Cam Newton's on IR. And, I mean, he's... He's playing really well for them. He only yeah. has two losses since taking over in, what, four wins? Yeah, five something, something like five that. wins, two losses since taking over. He's actually made this team competitive. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so. All right. Do you have uh, a rule for us in your favorite segment of this I, episode? Or I of do. Podcast, I would I would say. I do. So like I said last week, we're going to be transitioning more into football, basketball, and hockey rules for Mike's stupid rules down the stretch. And we're going to fill you in on one of the NCAA's focal points for college basketball rules this year. Um, the One of the big focal points, and I believe uh, a rule for this has been on the book since 2015, and that is a rule against flopping. So uh, specifically the three types of flopping – the NCAA is looking to police are, um, first of all, a, a jump shooter falling over when he's not hit, um, a defender like getting barely brushed and like going backwards and falling over, and then also a defender who will like snap their head back um, while they're defending, trying to get a call like they got hit in the face. They were also uh, trying to um, clean that up and get rid of those flops from the game. So the way they're doing this, the way the rule um, indicates, so the first one, the first time, is it's a delay of game warning, just like it would be like maybe you dunk the ball and, you know, you like flip it off to the side or something like that, right? That's a delay of game warning. And those, and just like um, it would for tossing the ball away, a flopping delay of game warning gets charged to the entire team not necessarily just the player who um, was was called for the flop. After that, any other delay of games, any other delay of game violations, um, be it, you know, for the traditional flipping the ball or another flop, is a Class B technical foul. So a Class A technical foul is, you know, your normal technical foul, arguing with a ref, you know, fighting, things like that. A Class B technical foul is the less severe kind. It only results in one shot for your opponent for the your opponent instead of two, and uh, your opponent still gets the ball. Also, unlike a Class A technical foul, it does not result in a personal foul to the offending player. So you don't get charged for a personal foul for a Class B technical foul. So flopping now, first one is a delay of game. Well. It's going to be better enforced now. I had never seen it enforced until this season. Uh, first one is a delay of game warning. Second one and any future ones, 
Class B technical fouls. These are all assessed to the entire team. So if player A, if Tyrese Halliburton gets called for one flop and then Solomon Young gets called for a second one, that second one is still a Class B technical foul, even though um, Young was not called for the first flop. So there you go, flopping. The NCAA is fo- is having that as a focal point this year, along with traveling is also a focal and I- point. I think this is good for the NCAA to clean up because I've been I'm get I was getting sick and tired of flopping last year and seeing it happen and them just getting calls based on flopping and there being minimal to no contact at all. So good for the NCAA to try and crack down on something as they're cracking down on apparently uh, taking a loan that you pay back completely. So. Yeah, the NCAA had a lot of problems this week. So just this week, the NCAA probably suspended what might be the number one draft pick in both the NFL draft and the NBA draft when they suspended Ohio State uh, defensive end what's-his-name for apparently taking out a loan to fly his girlfriend to the Rose Bowl. And then they suspended one of Memphis's players, what basketball players, what's-his-name, when they, for apparently, because his current coach helped him move to Memphis when he was nine, and that was ruled an improper benefit, because uh, everyone knew he was going to be the best basketball player in the nation and the, as a 19-year-old when he his, was nine. And that his current coach, who was his AAU coach at the time, knew that he was going to become the coach at Memphis and that he was going to recruit him and land him at Memphis. Because that was an entire collusion, and they planned that since he was nine. Well, I mean, I get get that part of it because um, Penny Hardaway was still um, a boot, was still considered a Memphis booster, even at the time when he helped him move. So I get that part, um, right? Because you don't have, can't have boosters helping recruits. But the fact that you classify him as a recruit for helping him move when he was nine, that's when he had a previous relationship with him. That's insane. That's just insane. It's anyway, that is not the, the NCAA. That is not the point of this segment. We should move on to our next segment. Why? What is our next segment? Our next segment is actually the final segment of this episode, the Write That Down Prediction segment. So if you want to go and hold us accountable, Mike, uh, floor is all yours. Yeah, I will do that. We had 15... 15 predictions come off the board. Wow. wow. Let's try five. That's there a lot go. of predictions. Yes. Five um, five predictions come off the board. Um, one each for me, Josh, and Wyatt, and two from Kyle. Uh, first off the board was Wyatt predicting that Brock Purdy would throw for 280 yards against Oklahoma. I believe he threw for 282 yards against Oklahoma. Maybe it was 288. Either way. Very slightly above 280, <laughs> so Wyatt is correct there, and he gets a ding, 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 ding. Um, Josh's prediction was that uh, before the Oklahoma State game, he predicted that the next two Iowa State games would be decided by seven or fewer points. That was correct, with us losing to Oklahoma State by seven and Oklahoma by one. So Josh gets a ding, 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 ding. I made an off-episode write-that-down prediction um, on Friday. So this came about because... I sent stat, you a tweet. Yeah, so there's a stat that said there's only three teams since the start of the 2017 season 
that hadn't lost by 14 or more points, and they were Washington, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. Uh, and then I predicted that there would only be two teams that that was good for at the end of the week. But then, you know, the Iowa State-Oklahoma game was decided by one, and Washington also won. So uh, for that, I get a nah, nah, nah. Um, Kyle had two predictions come off the board. Uh, first, he predicted that Iowa State will make the Big 12 championship game. That I mean, I'm maybe 538 says it's still somehow theoretically possible. I can't come up with a scenario. I, it's a less than 1% chance anyway. I also take agree that it's that it's theoretically impossible. We're so. going to take it off the board anyway, and if they happen to do it, we'll give you like six bases for it as, <laughs> as a makeup. So for that, you'll get a nah. Uh, the other prediction Kyle had off the board was another one of his and predictions that he missed the front end of. Uh, go back a couple episodes ago to see our discussion on that. Uh, he predicted that Brees Hall will have at least 150 scrimmage yards against OU and Texas. He ended with like 140 scrimmage yards against 143. OU. 143. He was three seven shy. That is less than 150. So for that, Kyle gets a nah. Those are all five predictions that came off the board. So as always, we have Kyle lead us off with our predictions for this week. What do you got for us, Kyle? So I'm going to dip into the Cyclone basketball realm and say that Tyrese Halliburton will score at least 350 points this season and have at least 200 assists. Now, for reference, last season, Tyrese Halliburton had 239 points on the season and had a total of 125 assists. So let's just say for argument's sake, the team plays 35 games. Last year, they played 35 total games. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be, if I do some quick math here, and the team plays 35 games, that would put it at, let's see, 350 divided by 35. Ooh, I'm in, what the heck happened here? It's my calculator. 350 divided by 35. So that's 10 points a game. Wow, I really needed a calculator for that. <laughs> I was going to say. 200 divided by 35 and 5.7 assists per game. So that's averaging 10 points and six assists per game. That might just be a single? Uh, double? Single or double? I think you have to give that a double mainly for the sheer fact that you can't say he's going to play every single game of the season. That's exactly what I was going to say. You now can't for, count being not only healthy but playing that much. He'll play now, if he's healthy. Now for the best, he'll play, the, he'll play the best reference if he's healthy. The best reference of a of a point guard for the Cyclones in recent history has to be Monte Morris. Uh, In 2016-17 season, he had 575 points and 217 total assists, and he played 35 games that season. Um, But Halliburton is a significantly better assister than Monte ever was. But but Halliburton doesn't doesn't score the ball at the same clip that Monte had to. But, he, but he's going to have to. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop your argument there because you're not going to sell me on anything more than I can't count on him being healthy the entire season. So I'm going to go with the double based on just solely uh, that fact. Oh, uh, I, was still, I was still arguing for at least a double. Okay. I mean, that's what I was going to give you anyway, so I didn't, I didn't need to hear anything else. Um, so we'll give Kyle a double for that one. Mike, what do you got? Yeah, what do I have? Well, <laughs> let's see. I was so busy reading about my stupid rule, I forgot to come up with a prediction until right now. You want so me to get gonna... Josh's first? Nope. 
we're going to go to the realm of the NFL and specifically the Minnesota Vikings because I don't know if I even have a Vikings prediction on you the don't. board. The you Vikings don't. are going to make the playoffs. That's my prediction. Make the playoffs in a very tough NFC. Um, hold on. Uh, I'm not quite sure how to quantify that yet. Let me – I got to look up some stats. Hold on. So currently Minnesota, the Vikings – Minnesota six. has a 72% chance to make the playoffs. Oh, do they? Okay. That's I mean, that's – yeah, that that's an insane – okay, sure. Take an easy point. I, I was hoping you guys wouldn't look at the prediction, look at the numbers, and I'd be able to talk you into more bases, like I, <laughs> with my, like I was able to with my Timberwolves make the playoff prediction. Of course uh, not. I went straight year. to five thirty-eight right. sports. Would, yes, yeah. you went straight to the numbers that I'm looking at right here. <laughs> Granted, it was sixty-eight before the Rams lost, so it got four percent by the Rams, up four percent by the Rams losing to the. Uh, to the Steelers. Now, so. if you would have said that they win their division, I'd go with the triple. Yeah, I'm not going to say that because I don't think the Packers are going to lose enough games because they get lucky. Lucky, 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 lucky. And seeing as you already played the Packers and lost. But, I mean, we'll play them again, and this time it'll be at home and we'll win. So, Anyway, Wyatt, what's your prediction? So I'm going to say that the Cyclones will not receive more than five penalties per game for the rest of the 2019 regular and, and postseason. Uh, for reference, this is kind of coming so, off of us getting 11 penalties versus OU, which is an insane number. Yeah. Getting less than five penalties should not be an issue for this team, but it was kind of disheartening seeing all the yellow hankies on the field. Uh, we haven't had more than the, – the, the maximum we had besides the game against Oklahoma was six flags in the field during the Texas Tech game, so – so that's that's an average of five penalties. Per no, game? they will not exceed five penalties in for any, any game. game. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Could have worded that. Not exceed five penalties in any game. Triple. That's more likely to get you a higher thing than the yep. average. Yep. Double. Why its face when you said triple is going to make us go with double because I'm <laughs> very very surprised when you said triple. Double. So, like I said, double it shouldn't be that. hard. It should not be hard for this team to yeah. to get their stuff together, be more disciplined, and uh, quit drawing those flags. Yeah, I, th- I think double is very reasonable. Yeah, 11 for, for 84 yards is ridiculous for, yeah, for this team. So many false starts. Yeah, that was, that was ridiculous. Oklahoma kind of took a page out of Washington State's playbook. They were doing a lot of stunts on the, def- the defensive yep. line, just like uh, Washington State was, and it, again, caused us to false start. You just got to be better than that. You got to learn and be better about that. You're right. You're right. Do we have anything from uh, Josh this week? Yeah, I did. Oh, right. uh, Josh predicted predicts that Alan Lazard will have at least two more touchdown catches this year. So he has one this year. Correct. I, is that correct? Yes. Yep, and against the Lions. From what I've been seeing. Did the Packers already have their bye week? The Packers have, let's see. So the Packers, right, we already decided they were 8-2, and two, right? So that means they have not had their bye week. Correct. No bye week for them, so. And it looks like Lazard's been getting the ball more frequently, though, than he was in the first five, half of the season. Oh, for sure. You know. Double. That's, double, you say? I say triple. I say Two more touchdown catches this year. He's basically getting the ball in any any six, pass play. Six, two touchdowns uh, in six two touchdowns was, in six games. That's a lot. He was tar- he was he was targeted from what I saw on three touchdown passes by Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Tonight. 
He's getting red zone targets. Double. Uh, he's getting red zone targets. Double. Are the deciding that, that, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Like I don't. I feel like there should be a triple, but I don't think it is simply because of the the play action that he got tonight. The tonight being the night they're recording the episode, which was Sunday night. Um, so I am leaning more towards a double for this one. Okay. I am overruled, and Josh gets a double. Sorry, Josh. Um, double, single, double, double. That That is that exactly sounds, what happened. That sounds like a hamburger order. Double, single, double, double. I feel like we talked about this before in a previous that's, episode. It's a lot of meat. Huh. That is a lot of meat. No comment. So now that we have all four predictions down and up on the board... Uh, that is the end Wait, of the right that down predictions. They're thing. down and up on the yeah, board. Yeah, we got him down, but we got him up on the board. So we wrote him down, but they're up on the board. Oh, I see. That I is see. how that is how the English language ah. for better or for worse. Yes. That means that we are at the end of the write that down prediction segment, which also mean means means we are at the end of the episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the 311 Cast, episode 55, in case you forgot what number of episodes we're on. That means that episode 56 is the next one coming up next week, so make sure you tune in and check that out. Drop us a line at 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contacts, or DM us on Instagram at 8311cast. Signing off for your hosts, we have... Kyle Mersh. Mike Hudwig. And Wyatt Teeter. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Hook'em horns. Wait, what?